Have you experienced trauma in your life? If you have, then you understand how challenging it can be to heal from that trauma. Today's guest is the host of the Healing Place podcast, which I have been on and welcome you to listen to this beautiful interview with Terry Welbrock, who is a trauma survivor. And when she asked for help, she got a dolphin of hope. And so you'll have to watch to find out what that means. Join us. Join us on this beautiful journey. Soul Nectar Show. Before we start this episode, I, Carrie Hummingbird, and I, Akeem Sami, want you to know that you are invited. You're invited to, to join, join Soul Nectar Tribe. If you like what you hear on Soul Nectar Show, you will love being in person with us in Soul Nectar Tribe. We invite you to check it out. First 30 days is free. Right now, go to carryhummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, forward slash membership, and sign up. We'll, we'll see you at our, our next tribe, tribe gathering. gathering. And now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to another episode of Soul Nectar Show, that show where we talk about all things essence, where we gather around the campfire and we share our stories of connection to that which is bigger than us, to the great mystery beyond the veil, to the man or the woman behind the curtain, to whatever is happening to connect you to your highest purpose, to your raison d'etre, your reason for being here, your life's journey, these synchronistic moments that lead us inexorably to understanding who we are and why we came here. I'm your host, Carrie Hummingbird, and I have these conversations week after week because I really love the insights that we can get when we hear each other's stories and also the sense of validation sometimes, like, oh, you just went through something similar to me. That's so reassuring to know that I wasn't the only one. I wasn't alone on this crazy journey that I thought I was alone. And then at some point to find out, oh, you weren't alone. Like actually there was somebody else out there too having those experiences. It's just, it's really reassuring to me. And I always learn something from my guests. And I always learn things from, from people that join my programs as well, because we all learn from each other. And so if you're interested in a community where we can learn and grow and come up with uh, some interesting ways of navigating these uh, life challenges, well, check me out at carriehummingbird.com, K-E-R-R-I, hummingbird.com, and we can have a discovery call and see if it's a fit for you. So today's guest, I'm so excited, is Terry Welbrock. Welcome, Terry. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Me too. I was so glad to be on your podcast, um, the Healing Place podcast. So excited to be on there. And I will put a link in the show notes as soon as I have it available. Um, Terry is a trauma warrior. She has survived and thrived after learning to cope with her uh, CPTSD symptoms and 25 years of severe panic attacks. Can you imagine that? 25 years of severe panic attacks and using a number of different therapies we're going to find out more about today, along with a foundation of faith and positivity. 
She's currently writing a book, and I know that we're all excited to get our hands on it. It's called Unicorn Shadows, From Trauma to Triumph, A Healing Guide. And this is going to be exciting because I love unicorns, um, <laughs> as Terry calls herself the glitter shitter, which is awesome. Who doesn't just love that? So I'm really, really excited to have you on the show. I know that you speak publicly, that you um, help people triumph over trauma, that you're a mom to three beautiful children, that you actually are a really smart person. You know, most of the people that follow me on this podcast are super brilliant people. So magna cum laude, awesome. Good job. That was awesome. And psychology and everything else that you did. It's just kind of amazing um, what you can create when you're finally in your power after all that trauma. So tell us a little bit more about your journey, Terry. Like, how did you give us an overview or give us a recap of, of what you've been through? And um, we'll get started in this conversation for, the, for everybody who's listening. Absolutely. Thank you. And I have a great story about how I came up with the Unicorn Shadows title. So I'll go into that in just a second. And then when you said at the beginning about behind the veil, oh, I had such a great meditation about that too. So maybe if we have time, we'll get to that. But so my story of hope, as I like to call it, is I start with sharing the ugly facts just to paint a picture of what it is I, I went through and triumphed over uh, when I eventually found my way onto the healing path in 2013. So I'll just, I'll start with those ugly facts. And when I was four years old and an intoxicated parent uh, attempted to drown me and my one-year-old sister, when I was five years old, I was sexually molested for the first time by a 16-year-old neighbor, along with my five-year-old best friend. When I was nine years old, I was sexually molested by a 19-year-old neighbor. When I was 10, I was repeatedly molested by my choir director. During those first 10 years of my life, my dad was physically abusive. When I was 10, I remember him calling me into his bedroom. My parents slept separately. And he sat me on his lap and he said, Terry, I, you know, I've been seeing a counselor. And I realize now that I've been hitting you and your sister out of frustration with your mother's drinking. Uh, I never should have hit you. And I, I will never hit you again. And he never did. And so my first taste in forgiveness and um, yeah, doing some healing in the moment. Then when I was 14, I was sexually accosted by a religious education director in the rectory where I worked for priests in the evenings. When I was 16, I lost my virginity to date rape. Later that same year, I was involved in a gang attack downtown Cincinnati where I was sexually accosted. A police officer involved in that investigation asked my parents if he could take me to dinner to celebrate 49 out of 50 convictions of the gang members. My parents agreed. He was a police officer. However, he did not take me to dinner. He took me back to his apartment where he attempted to rape me. When I was 21, I was involved in a bank robbery where a gun was held to my head and a coworker was stabbed three times with a hunting knife. They did not catch them. And three months later, they would return to our main office where I had just moved. My 19-year-old sister was working as a teller. She had just asked to go on break. And the assailant who had held the gun to my head in the first robbery shot and murdered my coworker, Marsha Berger, who had just taken my sister's place on the teller line. I had run from the back of the bank, came face to face with a second armed assailant who pointed his Luger at me, but the gun misfired. 
And I had to choose to run back towards gunfire with the first assailant who was having a Wild West shootout in the parking lot with the police officers. So that was the first 22 years of my life and a lot of trauma. (laughs) That is certainly a lot of trauma. That's like an amazing list of trauma. Yeah. I mean, people say to me all the time, that's not even Hollywood. Like they, you, you can't even write that. It's, it's just, it doesn't seem real. And there was, there was more in between. Those are kind of like the highlights that we, we had money issues and so struggles with poverty and just other things that I, I really don't throw into the big, that list, but just an underlying current of ACEs or adverse childhood experiences. And so I've done so much research on ACEs and ACE science and understanding uh, the impact that it has on us then as adults, because the next 25 years of my life, I, I struggled horribly with uh, depression and anxiety. I was on anti-anxiety meds and antidepressants and had thoughts of suicide and really battling with those, um, with those panic attacks and anxiety until 2013, when I finally found my way onto the healing path and ended up in EMDR therapy, which is eye movement desensitization and reprocessing and spent four years, 98 sessions, really dumping all of that trauma into a big pile on the floor and just finally, finally, finally starting to process it and release that stored negative energy, as I like to call it. Yeah, that's incredible. That's um confluence of events. And to see your light today, it seems it just to me and the time we've known each other, very bright, a very bright and positive beacon of of light out there. How did you make that journey to forgiving? I mean, there's no other way, really. I mean, I, I heard you say you dumped it all, but really like there's a process of true forgiveness. And that's where I feel like we get enlightened and we actually shine. Yes. I had had people ask me a lot, how did you ever survive all of that? And I, I, now that I understand ACE science, I know I have a high resilience score too. I had people in my life, my grandma Kitty, who was a gentle, beautiful, loving presence in my life. And she was our quote unquote babysitter when my, my parents went to work. And so to have her in my life, I had a best friend whose parents were so gentle and such sweet people. When I'd go over to her house to spend the night, which I tried to do as often as I could to get out of my house uh, or my apartment, her mom would say, I went to the grocery today and I bought you little Debbie snack cakes and I'd open a cabinet and it would just be filled with little Debbie. I never, I didn't have that at my house. So here was this person who who valued me and knew that I loved Nutty Buddies and oatmeal cream pies. And so she would buy them for me. And it was just such, it was nice to be acknowledged. And so that really kind of gave me that, that helped me build that resilience to keep facing and battling through all of these traumas as they occurred. But the forgiveness part, wow, do I have a story for that? So I kept track of James Mills, who was the uh, assailant who had held the gun to my head and then killed Marsha Berger. And just every now and then I would pop on the computer and check his, I had his prison number and just make sure he wasn't back out, like he wasn't out and um, just to satiate my anxiety. And I popped on a couple of years ago and couldn't find him. It said number can't be found. And I was 
but went into a mild panic and eventually got a hold of uh, a friend who knew somebody and they got a hold of somebody. And then the prison called me and they said, oh, he died in prison two weeks ago. And I get goosebumps when I talk about it. I literally fell to my knees and I might cry talking about it, but the first thing that came over me was, I hope he made peace. I hope he was able to find. And I just felt this overwhelming sense of release from him, but yet a connection with him in that I thought he and I were both born these little innocent babies, these little creatures, these little beings. And somewhere along the way in his life, he chose to go down this path, but I don't know what his story was. Was Not that I'm making excuses for his behavior, but was he abused? Was he neglected? What, what was his ACEs score? What, what happened throughout his childhood? And so I really was able to forgive his soul. And that's really how I look at it. it not the human part of him that made these horrible decisions and impacted my life so profoundly, but I forgave his soul because he deserves peace. He deserves to be forgiven. And that's that's how I dealt with it. Well, that's really profound that you were able to separate that out, you know, the human part of him that was making choices and the soul part of him that for whatever reason was choosing to experience those human choices. And then whatever relationship you had with that, what's your feeling and thought, because I know that sometimes on my journey, it's been very empowering to lift into this soul perspective, this soul's curriculum perspective, because I feel it empowers me to move through the challenges that I faced early on in my life and throughout my life to move through those with more grace, because I have this sense of I, at some level, I chose to have that experience so that I could learn something. I find it empowering. Some people, when I bring that up, they say it's like victim shaming. And I wonder where you sit on that that spectrum. Like in your own experience, do you have any sense of on your journey, this was necessary for you to experience for some reason? Yes. I personally, I think it is definitely a personal choice. And you know, whether you're, heck no, I'm never forgiving that person or this circumstance or that entity or whatever it is. But for me, I continually felt drawn. I find hearts everywhere. And a friend of mine years ago had given me a message from my dad after he had passed. And she had never met my dad. And she said, she came to me and said, please don't think I'm weird. (laughs) But your dad gave me a message for you. And he said to tell Terry, stop thinking, just love. And to me, that was such a sign that I was such an overthinker, always overanalyzing everything. And I, and now, and then I started to find hearts everywhere. And it was just my reminder to that I really needed to approach everything with a more loving essence, I guess. And so I started to write letters of forgiveness and burn them and sending that negative energy off to all of my transgressors. And I'm not going to lie when I say there were times that it didn't work and I had to come back around and keep keep trying to do some forgiveness work because something would come up and I'd still be pissed off at this person or still think, I can't can't forgive this person. But I really have made an effort, again, for my own sake, and this is my personal journey, to release it because every time I was able to, to do the work, 
I could just feel a little more of that weight just coming off of me. So yeah, I guess I did it selfishly because it helped me heal. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Because isn't it true that if we hold on to hatred and resentment for others, it actually doesn't affect them. It affects us. It affects our peace of mind and our journey if we can't let it go and we can't forgive it. You know, we all, I think at some level have behaviors. I mean, certainly the ones you've experienced from other people are very extreme. And then there's even like very subtle little behaviors that we experience with each other that are like hurtful, right? Like really t- small, it seems incredibly small and ridiculous, but it hurts and it, it stays with you for a while. Those kinds of things are hard to forgive too, even though they're tiny. It's almost like the mind, I almost feel like what you've experienced is so like profoundly impactful. It's like almost, how do you even, your mind, I just can't even imagine my mind even being able to wrap around all of that trauma, right? So in a way, maybe that makes it somewhat more streamlined for you. You know, even though you had to do a lot of work to forgive it, it's like, gosh, it's so big. I can't even put my arms around why all this stuff happened to me. Why did all this? You know, it's like, it's inconceivable. It's not like you deserved any of that treatment. It's not like you did anything to provoke it. You were just a little baby when all of this started. So it's just, you know, to me, it's like, it sort of disrupts all these ideas we might have about, oh, well, why things happen to people. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And there's so much there to address well, what you said about the little things. Sometimes you're right. Those are the things that, that nag at me and just pick at me the longest. And I just keep picking at the scab, you know, but, and it is interesting. I had, I had a friend who was a really close friend for seven years. I mean, we talked every day, constantly texting, they had girls trips, did. And then she goes to me and just boom, disappeared from my life. Right. When my mom was very, very ill and I was in a really vulnerable place and I had just told her, yeah, my therapist told me my biggest fear is fear of abandonment. And then boom, ghosted, abandoned. And so, wow, that one was my hardest forgiveness. And I think that was because with the other uh, trauma, it was as if these people, they didn't really know my heart. They just did these bad things and they were bad people or whatever, you know, quote unquote, bad people. But with someone, when you give them your heart or someone that you trust or someone that you love and they do these things, that's a, that's a tough nut to crack on forgiveness and all. And, but I, I've worked through it and I have come to a place of forgiveness. But yeah, it's, um, I don't know. It's fascinating. I don't know if I answered your question. I may have made a little right turn there. So no, no, I think it's actually pertinent because it is hard to forgive sometimes. So. You know, sometimes when it's hard to forgive like that, you might be prompted to keep thinking about that person and keep like revisiting it in your mind. And if you're really angry at that person, you might even like spy on them on social media or like, you know, like involve yourself, like trying to figure out what's so wrong with them or try to catch them doing something bad or, you know, who knows, like people do crazy things to try to trap each other back in it. I don't know. What's the goal of that? I guess some retribution or something like that. But like, that actually spins yourself up into knots. It actually, you're the only one being hurt by that behavior, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, when I was able to finally, and again, it was the same thing where I took a step back. I guess guess the best way to think of it is I took a step back from my ego, which was so hurt and, and angry and dealing with all the emotions that had stirred up. 
and kind of looked at it light to light and said, I don't understand why she ghosted me or why she did this, but she's on her own journey. She's on her healing journey. And so maybe I no longer served a purpose in her life and she needed to move on without me. And so when I was able to kind of step back and do it from a light to light perspective instead of ego to ego, it made it, it made that forgiveness just fall into place um, and so much easier. It puts things in a different perspective when you can look at things from the soul, the soul lens. I'm not sure how anyone would deal with the traumas that you've experienced without looking at it from a soul's perspective, because when we're in our human self, that stuff is really pressing. It's very like painful. It's like re-wounding. It's, you know, it's, it's like hard to give something that you don't have. So if you're really angry, right, it's hard to give forgiveness. If you haven't reached for forgiveness and compassion, I feel like all those higher frequencies are soul frequencies, right? Like compassion, forgiveness, peace, love, all of that is like from our soul's perspective. So if you don't have that for yourself, then it's really hard to give it to somebody else in the moment. Yes. Oh, absolutely. And and again, I had some health issues recently and I really let it overwhelm me. It just, it just did. Normally I'm that person that's like, oh, you know, I've, I've been through so much before I can do it again. But this, for whatever reason, really took its toll on me. And I was battling through and I had a moment where I, I went up to meditate. Uh, I live on Hilton Head Island, and which is a dream come true, and went up to the sound to a, a very beautiful, beautiful spot, my, my new favorite place on earth, and just wanted to have a meditation slash prayerful moment. And, just, and I just had that total breakdown, tears flying, just sobbing and just handing it over to God, angels, universe, whoever was listening, whatever it was, and just what I've been through so much. I'm so done with being scared. I'm so done with being, I, I can't do this anymore. And just, just gave it up like as, as a soul thing, like, here you go. And I, I said, I really need a sign that I'm on the right track with this healing journey, that I'm, I'm on the right path and I'm doing what I need to be doing to heal. And I said, if you could just send me some dolphin of hope. And I opened my eyes and I said, all right, dolphin, I'm ready for you. And as the words exited my mouth, <laughs> what seemed like 20 dolphin fin, but it was probably, you know, five that just kept coming up came out of the water as the words were coming out of my mouth. Now, I never see dolphin up here at this spot. And I'm there almost every night for sunset. <laughs> I, my whole body started shaking. And I said, oh my gosh, this is what, like coming at it from just a completely total soul perspective was. And there was just that moment. And I said, all right, <laughs> thanks God. <laughs> thanks universe. <laughs> I got the message. Thank you. Yeah, and it was beautiful. That is so beautiful. I love when that kind of thing happens. I've had my own moments and that is so special when you get that confirmation from nature herself that yes, you're on the right track and you can't make it up. Like you cannot make that stuff up. It's like so true. So, you know, in your journey of forgiveness and all the things that you've been through, I see on your wall behind you, choose happy. And, you know, I know that that's not a spiritual bypass for you. Like, I know Choose Happy is like in the trenches, fully aware of everything that you've been going on in your life and what you're feeling in your body. And, 
you know, in your psychology. And so choose happy for you is like an authentic, like deep grounded choose happy, like a warrior stance, choose happy. Tell us more about that. Yes, absolutely. Well, I, I literally practice mindfulness on a daily basis and it's become not so much a practice anymore as a habitual. And I talk so much about to people who have been through trauma about creating healthy habitual patterns by creating a huge toolbox for yourself. And I'm talking, if it comes across my radar, I'll give it a whirl because if it can help me along my healing journey and then I can pass that along to others, Ho'oponopono Hawaiian healing, which is a forgiveness prayer. I've practiced that often. And it's, again, another forgiveness modality that I use. Um, meditation, mindfulness, uh, so much of it. So my choose happy, I do positive affirmations that I put on little hearts and it's, and it's I am peace, I am strong, I am love. And all of those things that I believe about myself and that we all are, we all are those things in our souls and our spirits. But mindfulness, that's why I find hearts. I found, I'm not kidding, no joke, I'm not an exaggeration. About 25 of them the other day. I was, every time I got out of the car, like I got out of the car at the grocery store and there was a heart on a tree. There was a wad of gum on the ground that was in the shape of a heart. And so just living in the now and being very mindfully present has brought so much beauty. Like I'm aware of when I go out to water my flowers, the little skink sitting on the leaf. And then, and then I stop and I'm like, hi, buddy. Are you thirsty? And I'll put a little bit of water on the leaf that drips down and then he gets this little drink. But that's what happiness is to me, is just being present in this moment and enjoying all the beauty that just is all around us. Yeah, and being present, you're able to be present, I feel, and this is just my projection, so I guess I'll just ask you a question. Your level of presence, has that increased as you, you've healed these past traumas? Oh, most definitely. Yes. And I have another amazing story about that because in the midst of EMDR, because EMDR, for those who don't know, I would go back into a trauma. It's kind of a semi-hypnotic state, fully present and aware of where I am, like sitting in my therapist's office. But I would go back into, uh, similar to REM, when eyes are going back, forth, back, forth, back, forth, I would hold on to little paddles that would vibrate left hand, right hand, left hand, and then we'd return to a trauma. And we were about three years in, maybe a little more, almost near the end of my run through EMDR. And I had returned back to the second bank robbery. And all of a sudden I just started sobbing in my therapist, what's going on? Tell me what's happening. And I said, oh my God, for the first time in returning to a trauma, when I turned my head, I was actually looking through my own eyes. I was no longer dissociating because for so long I had stepped, it was as if I was watching a movie and these horrible things happening to this girl that I was watching happen, not from within myself having it happen. And so once I was able to return and be in my body when returning to traumatic events, I was able to then realize, okay, now I know when something scary comes up, when a scary body memory, when a trigger happens, I can still be present and still be 
here in this moment. And so it really helped me then to be more cognizant of the world around me and be present because it didn't matter if something scary happened. It didn't matter if something was going to arise. If suddenly a car backfired and I thought it was a gunshot because I could be okay and I could, I could keep myself calm. And then I was really start to start to be able to live in the now. I call that also embodiment. Like the more that we're able to be present, it's like, um, I remember years and years ago, I had this sensation of, well, when I was taking um, psychotherapy drugs, you know, mental drugs to try to keep you from feeling things. And I would feel like I was behind like a glass wall, like from the rest of the world, like disconnected. But it was a glass wall on the inside of me too, like disconnected from myself. Like I couldn't feel anything that was going on. And there were times in my depressive times that I had in my life where I was so suppressed by it that I felt like I was lost, like deep inside of myself, trying to like find my way up to my eyeballs, like just trying to get high enough inside of myself that I could see out of my own eyes. Oh, wow. Yeah. Sounds weird, but like it was a weird sensation. Yeah. And it's like, I feel like the more that that traumas and those things heal, the more I'm, you know, I remember the the first few moments when I just looked at myself in the mirror and I was fully present. I was like, oh my God, I'm here. And then other moments where I recede, you know, or when maybe things get too overwhelming and I go back to this dissociation kind of pattern, you know, every time I have some big expansion, I, I see a repeat of those patterns, you know, so I have to get back. Okay. I'm disassociating. My little girl is terrified at this new level of like being seen. Okay, let's go back inside and comfort and be present with that and get back in my body and, you know, double, triple down on self-care and get back into my heart and in the moment in meditation and back to my practices, right? And then I can be present in the moment and be fully there again and listening and, and receiving and perceiving. And it's a gift when we can be in that space. And I think that's the gift that is on the other side of the healing work. So for anybody who's feeling drowning in their stuff, it's like uh, the the reward is being fully present in the now. Yes. Oh, most definitely. And one thing I do, I just feeling very compelled to clarify is that I tell people it's not a trauma race. So people hear my story and they think, oh my God, I haven't been through anything like that, but I still feel overwhelmed. I'm still having panic or anxiety or depression. Pain is pain. Trauma is trauma. No matter how much of it you've dealt with, or even just, I don't even say even, one traumatic event is overwhelming and can overwhelm the system. So please just be gentle with yourself and and be patient and kind with you as you journey through, um, travel your healing journey, really. I'm curious if you've um, done any past life work, or if you have any sense of like how long you've been on this planet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, funny because I've had many a podcast guests who are mediums, intuitives and do energy work. And, and so many of them have said to me, oh my gosh, have you done some healing work? And, and, and just talking about, I, I still can't drive over bridges. I have a horrific fear of bridges. So, and how many of them have told me, oh yeah. And they give me these details about a death that I had experienced in the twenties. And they all 
tell me the same thing. And so I'm like, oh, it's crazy. Like I've had, I'm not kidding, like four or five different people talk to me about this specific. And they said, you know, that fear isn't related to this life because <laughs> I always think it is. And they're like, no, it's related to another life. And so, so yeah, I've never really done much deep work on it, but I've certainly been told quite often, yeah, that I, I'm dealing with some stuff from, from some past lives. Yeah, it's it's just something I'm interested in because of um, you know, just I meet so many different kinds of people and some people I meet are clearly star seeds that this might be like their first, second, third lifetime and they're like, This place is nuts. And I'm like, Yeah, <laughs> it is. It really is. You know, and then I meet other people I like you. True. <laughs> and I'm like, Okay, this gal cannot possibly this curriculum is just like, no way. Like, there's no way you would have gotten that curriculum without having been on this planet for a long time. Like, there's just no way That's you would have gotten so... that curriculum. That is just too intense. Oh my gosh. I said the other day, I said, I know I'm in the PhD program of Earth School because I am working on like a serious PhD and all of you this and everything I've been through. <laughs> you are. And, you know, honestly, it's kind of like if you look at us collectively, we're at this part of like facing ourselves, like facing our ancestors' decisions and choices, which are probably also ourselves because we probably also were the ancestors. But, you know, facing all of these choices and decisions that have been, that have led to lots and lots of human drama and lots of human suffering and, you know, like perpetrating on one another, experiencing perpetration, experiencing all the things you mentioned, you know, that traumatized you in this lifetime, that stuff's been going on for thousands of years on this planet. And it's been a training ground, but it's kind of like, all right, people, are we ready to graduate from this program? Can we just like graduate from that and into something more interesting now? Because we think we've really explored all the ways we can violate each other. Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) I love my oldest son, who I think this one here, he and I have these great, deep philosophical, he's so philosophical like me, and we have great, deep dives. And we were talking the other day and said, you know, if there are literally millions, billions, whatever other life forms, because the possibility of other universes is just limitless. And he said, and so you're, you're standing there in line and, and all of a sudden they're like, okay, and so now you're going to be assigned to earth. And people are, are you know, souls are like, no, not earth, not earth. <laughs> anywhere, there, anywhere, you know, but we got to learn to love this. And I think that's really, right you know, because we do have this polarity, we do have this like shadow and light going on here. And that's why I mentioned the piece around, you know, that I know that you're of a very solid grounded choose happy. It's not based on, I'm not going to look at that stuff. That doesn't, it's not like there's a wall and that shadow doesn't exist. And I'm just going to choose happy. Like that's one way that people live, right? I mean, people do cope with it that way, but that's never going to heal it because you have to look behind the wall. You've got to look at like, it's the totality of you. It's like the whole sphere of it, which when you've had a lot of trauma as you have, that means a lot of shadow work. That's like, it's a lot to put your arms around all that and embrace it all. That's a warrior's journey. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And I like 
I love the way how, yeah, you just, I mean, have, especially having this picture right here, because you really do have to go beyond that wall and <laughs> the darkness yeah. that lies beyond it. <laughs> it is she was true. happy while yeah. being completely and, conscious and present with the, with the trauma. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm really, I'm really impressed with, um, you know, just how grounded and present you are and clearly embodied and clearly happy. I mean, I'm a really good read on people and I can, you know, I'm very, my empath, my empathy is fine tuned. And so I can really feel when people are like really walking their talk and I can feel it when it's sort of like, yeah, it kind of is there, but it's not all the way there or something like that. (laughs) And yours is like very solid. Like to me, it's like, no, I'm just here. And I love your transparency around, you know, your body sickness. I wanted to touch on that before we close. I think that was the last piece I wanted to touch, kind of cycle back to you was you mentioned that you were, you know, that you were having some, some body challenges recently. And I just know that trauma works its way out of the body, you know, when we're ready for it to, and it can look like sickness, right? It can look like a cold or it can look like depression or malaise or whatever, but it's actually just those energies being released from ourselves and working themselves out. What's your understanding about your, like how sickness might relate to your trauma healing journey? love that you brought this up. I'm giving you a big soul hug because I said, I've been saying that for the past couple of months. So this all started in March and just started having weird symptoms, but it, long story short, it ended up being some histamine issues. So I've lost 48 pounds in in three months and um, which I love seeing my skinny face in the mirror again, but really struggling with living in foodie paradise. And we were, I'm a big foodie and not being able to eat seafood and living on an island and not being able to eat avocados. And so all of these high histamine foods. And so I'm teaching myself new things, but I had been praying and praying and praying and praying and praying and talking to, again, the universe and whomever would listen. I really want to be okay being in open spaces, like sitting at the beach and not worrying about having to take cover, you know, because a madman comes onto the beach with a machine gun, because that's the way my brain was wired during all of that trauma, especially the bank robberies. And so I just have been saying, I'm I'm ready to let that last part of it go. Everything else I've worked through, but those there's those last little lingering things. And I I just, I haven't been able to figure out a way to let go of it. And so I kept talking about it. Well, then as I learned about histamine intolerance, as I learned about mast cell activation, which another practitioner had said, I think he has some mast cell issues, activation stuff going on. All of that was related to inflammation in the body. Well, what's one of the things that early childhood trauma has taught us in ACE of science that a, a lasting impact of that trauma is inflammation and its impact on the brain and in the body. And so I said, oh my goodness, this is now my chance to do the physical healing work that I need to do on my mast cells and my inflammation, underlying current of inflammation, because in the long run, that's going to be the answer to all that I've been asking for and talking about. And I'm ready to now let go of all of that. And so it was just kind of a backdoor approach to answering my prayer and answering that that need, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah. And so I love that you brought that up. I also am working through some inflammation issues that's affecting my thyroid. And so 
for me, the understanding is that that's just part of the embodiment phase of your spiritual ascension is that you go, like you actually heal wherever the traumas and everything that you're healing in this life is stored in the body. And so it's this like healing and clearing through the body. So there's, you know, it sort of starts in this sort of esoteric space of spirit and, you know, other lives or like your childhood or things like that. And then it starts to move through the emotions and then it goes down into the actual body. And it's like, so now I'm having that body part of my journey. And it is fascinating how it's all tied together with like the thyroid looks like a butterfly. And what do I have around me all the time? Butterflies. The thyroid is like your throat chakra is there to help you speak, you know, and from your heart. And, and it's, so it's like, wow, this is what my life journey was always about learning to stand in my power and speak my truth. Even if the person that's standing next to me was like critiquing and everything I was saying. So like, I feel like these experiences, they, they come down to back down to earth, really back down into our physical being and learning how to be in right relationship with this beautiful vessel that we get to be in mother earth vessel with our soul merged. Yes. And how interesting because the majority of my issues are throat related. I ha- I'm having, if, if I eat a high histamine food, my throat swells and it's scary because I never experienced anaphylactic, but I, I don't want to go there. But when all of a sudden my, you know, under my ears and under my tongue and this whole area, it's all, that's the majority of the issues has been inflammation in my throat. And so I just, when you're speaking about that just makes it fascinating because what am I doing? Speaking my truth, sharing the truth of others, of, of shining a light of hope. And that's certainly the work you're doing as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we're doing it together. Like I said, sister, we're doing it together separately. And we thought we were alone in it, but we're not. We're just, we're each doing this together and everybody out there who's had similar things. And so beautiful. So I know I can refer people to your podcast, um, Terry, uh, which is the Healing Place podcast. And I know that your book, I want to remind everybody, is co- uh, the upcoming book. It's not released yet, but it will be Unicorn Shadows from Trauma to Triumph, a Healing Guide. Is there anything else you want people to know before we close the show? Yeah, I just started, uh, started, um, launched two new courses. So I have a one day and a 10 day and that's at academy.terrywellbrock.com. Very excited about those and just filled with so much wonderful information. And the only other thing was to close with, which I think will be a great thing to close with, was my story on how I got Unicorn Shadows, the book title. And that was, I had, again, writing this book for seven years now. <laughs> and well, really my whole life, because it's it's about overcoming trauma and and how I did so and lessons I learned along the way. So anyway, I sent up a little prayer to the Holy Spirit and said, oh, I really need a title for this book and some inspiration. And boom, I had a visual in my head. And I said, oh my gosh, that's it. And the title came to me and I ran and got my daughter who was younger. She's 15 now, but I said, I need you to be my model. And so I took a lamp and took the shade off. And I said, I just need you to kneel on the ground and put your hands over your head as if you're praying and bow your head down. And as I shine the light on to her, a unicorn shadow was cast beyond her. And it was, you know, the prayer. And so unicorn shadows to me represents the pain of the trauma in that shadow, but the hope of the prayer. Mm. 
And it's that combination of, and I get goosebumps every time I talk about it because yes, your pain is still there. It's just what you talked about, you know, the darkness beyond the wall. Yes, it's still there, but you also are doing the healing work and, and there's hope in, in that, in the work you're doing in the prayer, living the prayer, however you want to see it. So, yeah. Oh, that's gorgeous. I love that visual. Thank you so much for sharing that story. And I want to, yeah, I want to encourage everybody out there. I mean, you, there's so much gold inside this episode. And for, especially for anybody that's gone through some trauma, might be feeling really um, victimized by it and really wanting to know how to move past it because it's hard, it's hard to move through trauma. It's hard to move through hard things that happen in our lives pass this episode on as an inspiration, you know, look at uh, and everything that Terry has been through and continues to work through in the transparency shared on this interview, I think is just gold for anybody that really is stuck on a trauma and can't get past it. Share it out, like subscribe, follow all the words. I don't even know what all those words are anymore. Just whatever, right, just right. engage. How about that? Just engage with us, yes. engage. Yes. We, we're going to be watching the comments. So if you have comments for Terry, feel free to comment anywhere in one of those places you find us and we will respond. And we're going to give kisses now. Would you like to give some kisses? <laughs> oh yeah. Your dog's like, oh yeah. Look at that. Somebody knocked on the door. All right. Kisses. <laughs> we love you everybody. And we'll see you next time on Soul Nectar Show. Bye for now. If you found even one gold nugget in this episode of Soul Nectar Show, will you do us a favor? Will you subscribe, like, and share this episode? Maybe even write a comment and let us know what you thought about it. We really, really want to engage with you at a much deeper level. Let's be part of community together. Have a great week, everyone. Bye for now. To dive in deeper to nourishing conversation, visit soulnectar.show. Take a sip from the drip of nectar From the source of who you are